Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of You Talk. Uh, today, we're joined by a one-of-a-kind special guest, Andrew Roswell. How was it, pronunciation-wise? Also, close enough. That's okay. <laughs> In a nutshell, Andrew is a licensed attorney, law professor, journalist, anti-bullying activist, and on-air legal analyst for the Law and Crime Network. Appearing on the likes of BBC World News and Bloomberg, Andrew currently serves as a US news editor at Beam Crypto. Andrew is a co-founder of The Guardian Project, alongside actor Mark Pellegrino, in which they are passionate about educating those about the power of speaking up and standing up against those who wish to silence victims. It's an honour to have you on You Talk here today. And before we get into it, would you like to say hello? Well, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. And I'm a big fan of, of your programming. So uh, very excited to be here. Brilliant to have you. Beautiful. Andrew, Andrew, you are currently the US news editor of Being Crypto. Would you like to talk about your journey as a journalist and editor to how you have gotten to the position that you are today? Sure. You know, it's, it's a funny story because my entire media career started on accident. Um, it started in 2016 with the launch of Pokemon Go for the smartphone <laughs> as one of the first mobile AR augmented reality mobile games. And I wrote a legal thesis uh, during the first week's launch of the game and submitted it to the Ohio Bar Association. And uh, I dove into what the legal implications mm. of this type of game could have on the everyday consumer, the everyday small business. You know, what happens when somebody is walking across the street and gets yeah. hit by a car or somebody trespasses <laughs> on a piece of property and saying there will be lawsuits. And within that week, there were already three and everything that I had put in that article actually came into fruition. So it it inadvertently went viral in the legal community and attracted the local media attention and a judge that I had a case in front of at the time for one of my clients. Uh, his son worked at the Huffington Post and uh, they invited me to join as a legal contributor. And that started my journey of, you know, then 26 year old uh, millennial writing on the cross section of law and technology. So it's been it's been a wonderful journey and I, I love educating folks. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. When you first started that story, I was like, yeah, my first thoughts were what on earth could the legal ramifications of Pokemon Go possibly be? But then, you you know, you just dropped a couple of examples and yeah, it makes perfect sense. Well, I hit the jackpot you know, when I got uh, Charles on. It, it's, it, you know, the craziest stories happen and people, you know, one of the biggest concerns is because it's augmented. You know, if you're sleeping at night and you have somebody that stumbles onto your property and maybe near your window <laughs> or bushes, what do you do? Yeah. Because as a homeowner, a property owner, you may think it's a trespass, but to the consumer, they're just trying to catch a Pokemon. So <laughs> it, it created a number of issues that, you know, brought questions into who could be responsible? Was it the consumer? Was it the yeah. developer? Was it Pokemon Company? So a lot of lot of interesting questions and, and necessary yeah. for the space. Yeah, I think I think those those questions have have followed on uh, you know incredibly and in, in right right you know right into Web three. Uh, where do you draw the line at um, you know responsibility? Uh, is it is it the platforms? Is it the media?s Is it the the, the consumer themselves? The user? Uh, but I think we'll, we we can we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit later when we when we get onto the subject of NFTs. But you know, br brilliant and sort of precursor to that question. You know, where does the responsibility lie? Also, Roblox instantly springs to my mind when we go on about this sort of stuff with all the headlines that they've been getting recently. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen that about all like the um, Nazi games or like the sex games to say. 
Like they've had a lot of like bad press about surrounding that, which I suppose it is their fault at the end of the day. They need to do more to um, definitely crack down on that. Uh, anyway, in terms of <laughs> Rob's random thought, uh, in terms of your crypto interest, when did you start and uh, how um, how has it enhanced uh, becoming an editor at Ingrid? Sure. You know, my journey started really around, you know, 2017, 2018. While I hadn't initially invested into it, I was familiar enough with it from an educational standpoint to where I started writing on it initially with, you know, Forbes Money and Markets. Mm. We now know that as Forbes Crypto. They they kind of change names and change their their swim lanes to adapt to, to the digital age. But it required me to be able to, to speak to this, but understand it. So before investing in anything, especially as a lawyer, you know, you have to do your due diligence. So mm-hmm. I spent the majority of my time researching, reading, speaking, you know, getting to know people throughout the industry before I ever did put a dollar in. And, and to this day, I still have you know, handfuls of, of invest investments, but nothing, nothing major. And for mm-hmm. me, that that's okay because my interest again is is the educational context and being able to ensure, you know, that people in the space understand a lot of these these nuances and underlying technology, because it's certainly not easy, you know, most of the time. So 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 you didn't buy Doji in 2017. <laughs> in 2017, definitely not. But I, I may have a small little bit of holdings right now. <laughs> you never know. You never know. The people have lost so much money on Doji. I was reading that somebody well, and, and also made so much money as well. Uh, someone made three million. I was reading that, and now they they're down like hundred thousand or something in their investments. Like they're down to hundred thousand from from three million to hundred k. Uh, they're minus, I think now. Like they're in debt. Oh. Like they literally he didn't take out at all. So he went up to three million, and now he's gone all the way down. Oh, what is name? Well, uh, I think he keeps on buying. He's been part of free rug pulls or something, and like loads of crypto projects have tweeted him, being like, "Please, coin." <laughs> you think you'd learn after the first one? Well, that's I mean, that's the hype. You know, that's yeah. the irony of hype is it could be extremely profitable, but it could also be extremely damaging and yeah. uh, you know draining. Knowing when to get out as well is a key to most trading. Um, at least, at least have that idea as to why you're doing it to begin with. You yeah. Know? So, of course. but that that speaks to your point, Rob. <laughs> of course. Uh, would you like to give some examples of key topics that you write about and tell us the process of finding about uh, about these topics before anyone else? Sure. So generally, I write on the cross section of law and technology. Right now, uh, an emphasis in in Web three and and law. So that dives into you know, the internet itself, cyberspace. You know, where's our web infrastructure headed? Where are we going from a legal standpoint as it relates to intellectual property, you mm. know, copyrights, patents, trademarks, but also evaluating, you know, the legal precedent. You know, what are these lawsuits? As, as funny as some of them may seem, they all serve a very important purpose of forcing our courts and legal landscape to address issues that they may have avoided for many years or don't even understand, you know, at least out here in the States. A lot of judges are, are a lot older. They've been on the bench for a very long time. So in terms of getting a grasp of their technological background, you know, I use the expression digital natives versus digital immigrants, natives being people like you and I who have grown up with this technology versus immigrants who are coming into this technology. They didn't grow up with it. So being able to identify that distinction and break down topics 
that it, that speak to you know digital assets or cryptocurrencies or wealth management and and you know most recently you know the function of non-fungible tokens or NFTs and what industries they really do have utility in and we're still very early in these stages and discussions. Um, to say you have a few words in lots of different publications is a massive understatement. Uh, Coin Telegraph, Bitcoin Magazine, Forbes, Business Insider. Um, just to name a couple of them. Uh, what are some of your top and proudest moments as an editor? Being in a position to have writers around you and other editors around you that all have a different perspective and they bring it to the table. You know, one of the biggest problems that I've seen throughout the media landscape is it's really one-sided. It pretends not to be, but it's it's very dogmatic. It's very narrow-minded. So the ability as an editor or to work with editors and writers to be able to inject your voice, to inject your personality just enough that it doesn't take away from the actual narrative of the story, the actual substantive uh, facts of what's happening does provide value. And a lot of news organizations and outlets don't always like that, which I find to be extremely, you know, damaging to, mm -hmm. to the average consumer, especially when we're in an age of misinformation with the very technology we're trying to communicate and educate people on. Do you think mass media, Mr. Ball, would criticize it? I know here in the UK, like BBC News and like the bigger uh, sites are starting to publish stories about it, but that's what only recently, maybe in the last year or so, which is that they missed the mark, wasn't it? Yes and no. And I guess I'll give you the, uh, the lawyer. Of, it depends. It depends on what the what the topic is. You know, a lot of your financial news organizations do a wonderful job of explaining, you know, the markets and the technical analysis. Right. That that's a specialty. That's a niche that most of us don't have. We may be able to to understand it from a certain perspective, but to be able to communicate that in a way that makes sense for everybody. I think it's, it's a great job. And I think these organizations are doing a wonderful job, but on the flip side, when it comes again, back to consumer education, a lot of news organizations do miss the mark. Why they're capitalizing off the hype. They're capitalizing off the household names or the household yeah. brands that are jumping on the, on the projects. And, you know, while that's all good and well, it, it's it's a problem when you're not being as transparent or, or as open uh, as you could be by giving both perspectives of while it's great for this particular brand to endorse this particular you know NFT project, there's some other things to also consider, and it still doesn't take away from the story, but it gives the viewer or the reader and the average consumer a chance to think for themselves. And I think today media doesn't want people to think for themselves. They want to communicate often a one-sided view and that becomes the news story, which we see all across social media and it's damaging. Yeah, I think that that raises an interesting question as well. And obviously, you know, you've, you've had experience on, on, on both sides. Um, sort of crypto media versus sort of traditional media. Um, is it, is, is, have you found crypto to be more transparent, perhaps even, even you know, dare I say, more, more decentralized in its approach to, to sort of distributing and, and publishing content and stories around, around cryptocurrency and Web3s and the metaverse. Um, is, is, that, is that a benefit to, to cryptocurrency-centric publishers like being crypto? I believe it is. And I think right now is, is an extremely important and valuable time, right? You know, Ethereum Denver uh, out here in the States just ended. You have all of these conferences 
that are bringing people together from all around the world, you know, mind you, you know, the pandemic and, and what's going on throughout mm-hmm. the world, but bringing brilliant minds together, but also just anybody who's interested in the space together to be able to hear conversations, whether they're standing in line, whether they're walking by and ordering food, you know, these conversations are necessary. Why? It spurs conversation that isn't Mm -hmm. forced into you, that you are not brainwashed into thinking one thing or another. So I think the way crypto uh, and especially Web3 right now is being covered or at least introduced is very important. And for outlets Mm -hmm. like being crypto and, and, you know, some of these other organizations, it's, it's a higher standard that, that we do believe in of being able to communicate these types of discussions. And as, as an editor, you have that extra level of diligence and, and you know, thought leadership that, that needs to be imparted to be able to communicate those ideas. So I would agree with you that yeah. right now is a very important time. How do you go about finding uh, stories that uh, no one else has heard of yet? I always look. For, yeah, I always look for utility. Right now, that's the hardest thing to find. You know, there are a lot of projects. A new project every thirty to forty-five seconds yep. is, is being announced, and that's good and bad. It's good on the fact that innovation is here. Yep. The ability for people to create, whether they're in lockdown, whether they're at home, whether they're just realizing for the first time while they're sitting at their desk, you know, what if I could do this? And the mere fact that innovative drive is is so welcoming right now is a huge huge thing at the same time you have to weigh the balance of that innovation versus you know what is the actual utility that it's going to bring your immediate community not the space as a whole necessarily Mm -hmm. but the community that you're trying to introduce this into whether it's real estate whether it's it's cannabis whether it's it's fintech whatever your industry is what value are you adding that doesn't already exist what problem are you solving or hoping to solve that doesn't you know have that solution yet and a lot of these projects say well we are going to try and solve this in the next x months or in the next couple years doesn't do it for me does not do it for me there is always some sort of short-term roi for the community Mm -hmm. beyond just we can invest in your token. What value can you immediately bring to the space? Oftentimes it's just education and and knowledge that, oh, we didn't realize this was a problem or as big of a problem as it is, but now you have us thinking. Mm -hmm. That's value. Uh, Something that I've always thought is that going back to the mainstream media, they always just seem to talk about crypto when it's down and rather when it's up. Like they always love it. Or, or, when, or when Snoop Dogg buys a virtual plot of land. <laughs> That's also true. Snoop Dogg's massive. He's an FBI informant. I was reading about it earlier. <laughs> I'm literally sold on that conspiracy theory. He's done so much bad stuff that he should be in prison. However, he's not. And it's because apparently Surge Night started it all. But anyway, back <laughs> to the podcast. A little left of field, Rob. But, but you can't mention Snoop Dogg about and well, when we get Snoop on the on the podcast, <laughs> we'll raise that not, question. I will not be asking him. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Dog. I'm very sorry about what I said previously. Where did he go for Mr. Dog? I think to your point of, you know, their coverage not being in the middle. There's never any of that middle. No, no. Coverage, uh, right? Yeah, which is, I think, why, why great publishers like being crypto, Cointelegraph as well springs to mind. Uh, you know, really do sort of fill that void, which is massive because you've got, you know, there's such a, there's such a wide spectrum when you've got success and, 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 and abysmal failure on each end. 
you know, there, there's so much in the middle that they, they just don't, they don't cover, um, you know, and there's so many worthy projects that are sort of missing out because they're, you know, they're not doing anything uh, either extreme end of that spectrum. You know, they're, they're not getting Snoop Dogg to buy a land. They're not raising 30 million from Andreessen Horowitz. They're, you know, they're not crashing and burning and, and being sued left, right and center, but they're innovating and they're scaling and they're bringing new functionality and, and, and that's and what they new, should be new, doing. That's yeah. A, that's and exactly well, they, well, yeah, I mean, we, I like to think that sort of UHive is, is, is perfectly positioned. Um, and, and, but, but sometimes the, those projects do just get less of an exposure from the mainstream media because it's not anything that they consider newsworthy. Um, when actually it's extremely disruptive and it probably is shaping what the next 10, 15, 20 years are going to look like. Um, and they'll kick themselves for not getting on board, board earlier. But we have fantastic partnerships in the in the crypto world with publishers like like BN um, and, and Cointelegraph and, and, and the exchanges that we work with. So, you know. And that's why it's important for yeah. these crypto outlets. You know, again, you know, being with BN Crypto, our, our, our big focus of ours is is the education and being able to to cover that that middle layer yeah. in addition to to breaking news of course but to be able to give that education uh to to as many people as, as possible because you're right you know building doesn't stop you know no mm-hmm. matter what the hype is no matter what the latest gain is the latest dip is education doesn't stop the building doesn't stop and that's why again you know i just got back from ethereum denver a few days ago You've, you meet so many people and what do they do right after the conference? They go back to building, you know, yeah. they keep their head down. They're working on their project, not for the media attention, not for anything other than we want to deliver what we said we're going to deliver. Yeah. And that's all that matters. That's really it, it's, it's that matters. funny as well. Uh, Andrew, you mentioned that because we, we had IO CMO on, on our last podcast, Marie, and she basically said the same thing. And that is, is and, and Gay.io owes a large part of its success to that, that they've just been pushing forward, building, building, educating, uh, and, and, you know, and sort of not going after the, uh, something that's kind of driven by hype. Uh, and they are extremely, that's why Gay.io is extremely successful and, and being as well. Every day is a school day, as I like to tell my daughter, who's two years old and not yet in school. <laughs> uh, so you're, we mentioned it in the, Previously, you're a reporter on you're reporting all sorts of things, including Web3 and NFTs. Uh, what is your personal stance on these two things? And where do you think the public stance is on them in terms of their, how they are currently performing and the future of them? Very yeah, no, that's a great question. I think Web3, it's exciting for, for the everyday, you know, consumer. You know, on, on a personal level, I'm, I'm extremely excited, right? You know, I, I grew up with this technology. I'm, by, by nature, I'm a millennial, you know, for years loved playing with technology until it broke, you know, from an ethical and legal standpoint, mm-hmm. not, not looking to do anything outside of that, but you, you like to play with the tech. So I think here, when you're introducing notions of web three in the metaverse and a new way to interact with one another, a new way to transact with, you know, one another and be able to, to drive innovation is, is crucial. You know, my passion here is, is letting under, allowing for a means for underrepresented creatives, whether you are talking about musicians, people in film and TV, or any business executive that hasn't had the voice to be able to do what they want to do, or to be able to penetrate the the markets that they want to penetrate, now have the ability to do so. And I think one of the biggest you know, uh, takeaways I, I've gotten from Ethereum Denver and a lot of the conversations, uh, one in particular, is that the web three model does not mean bringing over web two and it's bad habits. You know, you Mm -hmm. don't want to bring over, you know, the, 
the the web to established artists that already have the funding they already have the the infrastructure the resources the management whatever they have into web three why because you you don't want to copy and paste it does nothing other than you know it you create a mirror image but having this realm of web three you focus on the innovation and give individuals the chance to build in in the breathing room but then use the web to success stories and projects to help cushion to help Mm -hmm. push out to help provide that leverage but not to start off the web three space i mean it's an evolution i think that's what people are missing and when something evolves, you leave behind the bad and, and you work on enhancing the, the good and you introduce more good until it's ready for its next cycle. Um, but the, we're right at the cusp of Web3. So, we, you know, years, maybe decades to go before there's a new cycle that comes along. So, you know, yeah, I think that's what people are missing so much. Uh, a lot of uh, legacy social media as well are so far missing that mark and and that Mark, you know, no pun intended, Mark, Mark. <laughs> you know, which Mark we're talking about. Uh, they're definitely, it, it, they've, they've it, missed it, the it, mark. Like with, with how they, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. I would say with how they've entered Web3 thus far, they have missed the mark substantially on so many occasions. And, and you know, it's definitely not setting the correct tone for other projects to come along, um, you know, and sort of introduce themselves as a Web3 project. So you know, that's why we're relying again on, on crypto publishers and the crypto space and the crypto community and the Web3 community to sort of champion, you know, the, the, the true Web3 projects that are uh, that are sort of emerging and they are coming online. Um, so, yeah, yeah, go on. Sorry, Andrew. No, I mean, you, you said it uh, perfectly. I mean, it's an incentive for these developers and programmers and and, you know, companies um, to, to do better, to be better, to, to build better. And hopefully it does open up the eyes of, of big tech. And I yeah. think it will. It's just changing uh, that conversation. It's a shift in, you know, our mindset. And that's all Web3 is. It's, it's a shift in mindset. You know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I was speaking with, uh, you know, Constellation Labs over at Ethereum Denver. And one of their people said, it's Web3 is a second chance. It's a mulligan to do things right this time. And that's stuck with me throughout the entire conference because they're, they're right. It, it is a second chance, but with a second chance, you don't want to repeat past, past mistakes. You know, these are where you want to start exploring, you know, some of the waters, even if there's some gray areas, not, not, not ethically, but gray areas that aren't, you know, touched yet. And yeah, you might end up in court. That's okay, yeah. you know, if you're prepared to justify what it is that yes. you're doing mm-hmm. rather than trying to be a bad actor or actress in this, then by all means, the court is here, whether they like it or not, to help further develop and mm-hmm. explain this landscape. And that's that's what this is right now. Yeah, it's I think that, that can tie quite nicely into what the topic that we, we, we touched on earlier and, and obviously and, and what you've just said now is, uh, what springs to mind is is the uh, meta, you know, with their their avatars. Um, they basically uh, introduced this 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 new uh, standard where uh, I think the avatars can't go within four feet or two virtual feet of one another because there was uh, groping or something involved. So kind of harkens back to the initial topic of where does the responsibility lie? You give the consumer the tool; it's up to the consumer how they use the tool, whether they use it for good or bad in a sense. Um, so, you know, Facebook meta, uh, rather than obviously, you know, uh, 
have any negativity attached to to the to their new project and then the, the, the new pivot towards to the metaverse they just killed the ability for these avatars to 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 interact with each other you know d- d- physically uh, in the digital world shake hands or, or whatever it is uh, they did and they just immediately said we're going to stop that before it even starts but wouldn't it have perhaps been better for the evolution of web3 to just see where this goes and if they you know, um, find themselves in court, well, that's something that needs to to happen, uh, you know, in the sense that you just discussed it. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that in, in, in terms of, of the consumer responsibility versus the, the builder's uh, responsibility? You know, it's an interesting conversation. I think everyone has a role to play here. You know, we're still in the, the infancy stages, no matter how much coverage uh, this space is getting, no matter how many uh, conferences go on, no matter how many projects launch, everyone has a role to play, even big tech, even the consumer. So I don't know if it was necessarily a wrong decision or a right decision, mm-hmm. but it was a decision, nevertheless, that, again, continues to spark conversations, right? Obviously, what some of these safety concerns, even in the metaverse that have happened with, with the groping, unacceptable, horrific, disgusting. It's, it's not what that is supposed to represent. However, decisions still need to be made. If it's a wrong decision, well, hopefully, you know, moving forward, that decision, uh, the, the justification behind that decision can come to light and be explained. And then, you know, the powers that be, whether it's a regulatory uh, actors or, or lawmakers in the judicial system can, can weigh in. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know if there's an actual answer other than Things will that, happen. That's a very, and very, a very lawyer response there, Andrew. <laughs> it's, but it's, yeah, yeah you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a response and an argument that, that still gives deference to everyone involved. That doesn't try to say one party is right at, at the expense of the True, other, yeah. especially when we're yeah, at, yeah. again, we're at the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's a very early, early, early days. Yeah. When do we think the meta police is going to become the, a real thing? Well, that's the thing. Yeah, we, that's what we need to do. Introduce <laughs> into U-Hive's meta world. <laughs> the meta police. I like it. Radiohead are going to re-record OK Computer for the metaverse. I've got a lot of that on that. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, is there any uh, news within the tech and crypto NFT web free space that have uh, that you have yet reported on that you'd like to share with us? And what's exciting you in the next coming in? Yeah, I, I think the uh, the Ethereum Denver was, was a great scoop as well. Ethereum Denver was a great place for you know seeing new projects come to light. You know the the notion one one company uh, it's a it's a DAO actually Starseed DAO that uh, uh, I I recently did an interview with is is one of the first Web three talent labels for arts. oh nice yeah. but the idea of again and this is where that idea generally came from of. We don't want to repeat those mistakes. Web three doesn't mean taking web two artists or web two creatives and just sticking them back in web web three. And, and what Starseed wants to do is build that parallel entertainment industry, entertainment 3.0 of saying now it's time for the underrepresented creative, the underdog uh, who haven't had the chance to be seen, discovered, heard to to have their chance to shine. You know, a, a, another project that actually just launched yesterday um, is, is called uh, Zinu, Z-I-N-U, which just introduced a fascinating concept of a royalty free license on an NFT where you are able to utilize that NFT however way you want in a personal use, 
But at the same time, commercially, within reasons upon, you know, the company doing their due diligence to make Mm -hmm. sure they're not supporting anything extreme or outrageous or, you know, that could present a threat to, you know, whatever national security could be. Mm -hmm. But the notion from a legal landscape of royalty free NFTs, very interesting, very powerful conversation, because right now, one of the biggest issues involving NFTs, of course, is intellectual property. Yeah. And as I've said in any piece that I've, I've covered that has brought up that notion is if you think intellectual property has no place here, you're, you're out. OK, yeah. intellectual property and IP control this domain. It has to because mm-hmm. of the amount of work and innovation that goes into it, whether it's from the creator or, or the holder. So you will have copyrights, you will have trademarks, you most definitely will have patents. So I think the, the Ethereum Denver conference was, at least for me as you know, wearing my lawyer hat, but also that editor hat of looking for those conversations that, you know, what aren't people talking about or what, what are we starting to do? And, you know, again, DAOs, should they be legally recognized entities? And, you know, that's a fascinating conversation. Why, why not? You know, there's, there's some interesting arguments for why that could be more advantageous than simply registering an LLC. But again, you're looking at the infrastructure. It's very early on. So these could be conversations that take the next two to six years to, to further develop. Mm-hmm. Just super concerned. The world without the Logan, uh, Logan and Jake Paul, the Paul brothers, is it Logan Paul? Jake Paul. Logan Paul. Yeah. yeah, that's what How I mean. are we going to survive? I, we have good we have good innovators and good builders and, and companies that again you focus on utility and yeah. they they utilize or will leverage web two and the successes from web two in a good time place and manner right yeah. it's not to migrate it over and say yep this is our space too we're done yeah. no it's but I, think, I think it's good that that, that that a lot of people are you know dipping their toes in web three um you know they have been pretty prominent on on, on social 2.0 or web web 2 uh, because it brings it brings uh, exposure to to what you know projects like uhive are are doing um so it's, i think it's a necessary evil I'd, I'd rather leave a lot of them behind but also you know they are like I said they 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 do they do bring a lot of exposure a lot of new audiences um uh you know people that, that weren't wouldn't otherwise have been that familiar with with these the, you know these the, the spaces that we that we operate in so you know the power's starting to shift though i feel that with uh, our jobs at uhive is the power's going from wanting exposure to them worrying about their future I've, I've, that's some of the conversations that i've had with some people they're now it used to be oh we need your exposure but now we're almost as important to them as they are to us in a way yeah, yeah. i can definitely feel a definite shift in that the conversation start anyway. We we have a uh, we have a meeting with the, the head of Pepsi uh, next week because we basically uh, one of our team dropped dropped metaverse into his pitch. So <laughs> you know he was you know his name's uh, Todd Kepler. Uh, you know he was uh, he responded you know within within minutes because they they don't want to get left behind and, and they know I love it the, the, the tides are turning. Yes, they, are. they most certainly are. Uh, so you are the CEO of AR Media as well. Uh, would you like to talk a little bit about what this is and what you do within AR Media? Sure. And this is separate, you know, from my editorial capacity. But again, everything that I do carries my law license, right? My law license is who I am. So, you know, being able to, again, educate folks throughout the media <laughs> landscape, being able to, you know, leverage 
media relationships to, to help, you know, projects thrive. So, you know, as a consulting company, you know, I have a team that, you know, does an incredible, incredible job, you know, helps companies, whether they're startups or established, better understand what it is they're trying to do, whether it's in Web3 or, you know, in real estate and, and in cannabis or, or, you know, tech. So I think every, everybody has a different need. But what I've noticed over the years is the power of networking, the power of leveraging relationships to better improve your specific ecosystem and infrastructure. So, you know, rather than have, you know, the everyday consultant of, well, let me consult you on, on your sales, on, on your ads, you know, your social media, I look at it from a media standpoint is your project's out there. You, you want to announce your project. What is it that you're trying to do? And it sounds a little bit like PR, but it's not, it's, it's strategic media consulting based off, you know, experience in the media of being able to say, you know, here's what I've seen. Here's what I've witnessed. Here's, here's some things that I, you know, have dealt with, you know, myself. And if I can be a resource and that's the key as a resource, if this company can be a resource, you know, we, we leverage that. But again, that's entirely separate from, you know, my editorial hat where, you know, that's something where that's, that's a passion and that's, you know, very, you know, industry focused, whereas a consulting company allows, you know, projects to, to be heard, to, to give people a voice or entities a voice that haven't had the chance to, to be heard. And something else, um, I guess it's completely separate as well, is you and uh, the, your fellow co-founder, Mark Pellegrino, who's the actor that you mentioned previously, uh, are the creators of Guardian Project. Um, would love to hear more about that because it's an amazing thing what I've read about. Sure. Cancel culture today is a problem. It is a, a huge problem. Um, you know, I grew up, you know, with, with severe instances of bullying. You know, my story's out there. You know, Mark has had similar experiences, but what we've seen over the past few years, whether it's COVID or just, you know, social media is people are ruthless. People are cruel. People are so hurtful that it could possibly cause another individual to harm themselves or fatally harm themselves and take their own life. Um, the biggest problem in our digital age is the, the lack of digital hygiene and the regulation that, that goes with it. So cyberbullying or online bullying is a problem. There are landmark Supreme Court cases out here in the United States that have brought these issues to light. But for some reason, the legislation still isn't as strong as it could be and needs to be. So the Guardian Project is a platform to, again, be able to give a voice to those who have been silenced, to those who have been harmed, but don't feel as if they can come forward. And what we want to do is create a, a resource um, for people, whether it's, you know, through a, a, a series or a film or just an educational uh, one-stop shop of information where people can come to and, and, and have that information readily available and be able to interact with others who may have also gone through the same, same instances. So that, that's, that's what the Guardian Project is. You know, we're still, uh, we're still building it right now and um, having the ability to work with somebody such as Mark, who I grew up watching on, on television, you know, because, you know, he, you may know him from, from his time on Lost or, you know, him is playing Lucifer the Devil on, on Supernatural for, for nearly 15 years. So the yeah, I, I, I think when, when Rob, Rob looked him up, we were chatting online and, and there's, oh, there's the guy from Lost, you know. 
He's been in so much other things that hasn't Yeah, yeah. He's, he's one of those very prolific actors, you know, that you just, when you see them, you're like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. Very much so. And, you know, his his role in 13 Reasons Why, you know, on, on Netflix. Okay, is, yeah, yeah. Is extremely impactful, right? Being able to to leverage his, you know, his on-air, not leverage, but utilizing his on-air roles such as yeah that, that persona like, fits, like yeah yeah like like a show like that because he is passionate about that mm -hmm. and he's very outspoken on that so the ability to to combine forces here and and leverage our own networks but also draw from our own experiences and our own uh memories of us being silenced or you know dealing with this lends a, a level of credibility here to to what we're doing because we're part of that community. We've also mm -hmm. been been victimized by it. And it, it just it needs to stop. I don't know if if it ever can because of our digital age, but if we mm -hmm. can minimize it and save a life, that's one less person that that gets put in a newspaper or one less family that has to attend a a funeral. And cancel culture needs needs to be addressed. We it, yeah. it has to be with with where social media is today. And even bringing it back to the world of web three, crypto and, and fintech. Twitter is is a big problem for a lot of these things. Is it Twitter itself? No, but it's the people that are, you know, and maybe arguments to, to that point. But, you know, the, the users on Twitter will band together and a lot of times and just troll and go after people because they have nothing better to do. So, again, education is is key here. Something that like, legacy social media is, I think it's clear that they didn't bring up on this. It's, it's clear as day. Um, here at UHive, obviously, we've got different things. I don't know if Jay, you want to touch upon them. We've got um, um, like the uh, ambassadors and like the um, was it uh, the Magna Carta protocol? I meant um, we've got lots yeah. of different things. Uh, 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 want... Decentralized moderation standards. That's correct. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that, Jay? Yeah, I mean that, that that's obviously you know one of the reasons that we introduced the the, the this standard was you know. It owes a lot to what you've just mentioned about things having to be addressed and having. I love the the idea of digital hygiene. That's a it's a, a great uh, a great phrase, uh, but it does tie into that. It's just kind of, you know we 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 don't want to deplatform and we don't want to censor and you know we, it's not something we don't you know we don't want to be centrally controlled in terms of moderation. Our goal is by the end of this year to be 100% fully decentralized when it comes to the con all the content moderation on UHive. Now we're at about 10% um, uh, through our uh, Magna Carta protocol. Uh, so we have several thousand um, moderators uh, purely, purely on a voluntary basis, Wikipedia style. Um, there's no rewards. They don't get any, just only, you know, personal satisfaction um, is, is their reward, definitely. But in terms of of anything, um, you know, any incentives with it, it's it's non incentivized, um, and because, you know, we we feel at this point, uh, you know, that is really the only viable way forward. Um, you can't leave things unchecked. There has to be moderation, absolutely. Uh, on a UHive, we do have our sort of our, our bedrock moderation guidelines, which are you know, no bullying, no spam, no no uh, racism, no hate, no adult content. Um, but beyond that, there's there's a huge huge gray area, and and right now it's been it's been moderated centrally, um, and it's basically been moderated. You know, whoever the staff, whatever kind of agenda the staff members have at big tech, that's how the content is being moderated. Um, it's definitely not the way to go. It's definitely not the way of Web three. Um, Web you know Web three is is uh, you know community moderation, democratized moderation. 
Um, and, and that's why we introduced the Magna Carta protocol. Uh, and I think the more, and also it's an educational experience for the moderators as well, because we, we give them, uh, you know, not saying it's anything, uh, you know, um, uh, huge, huge, hugely newsworthy, but we give them an onboarding pack and we do give them a, 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 um, an orientation session. Uh, and, and it does kind of stand them in good stead. And also they have to pass a, a, a certain bar in terms of their sense of responsibility. So we ask questions to the moderators. We have a, you know, a, a guidelines that we, we go through with them and based on their responses, um, you know, we, we kind of assess whether they're uh, up to it or not. Uh, so they are, they are obviously, and obviously just, you know, offering their time to moderate a social platform to do kind of what, 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 you, what you guys are doing as well. Just, you know, help people and, and, and perhaps potentially save people from a, a you know, um, a very upsetting uh, uh, event on social media. So they're already in it, you know, to, to, to be better and, and to help people be better and help a platform be better. And, and then along with the, uh, the tools that we give them, um, you know, we just, we find that it's, it's, and this is a big part of Web3. It is, it is the only way forward. And at this point, we, I'm not saying it's perfect. We have to build on it. We have to improve. We have to Im uh, improve the tools that they have, which we're doing all the time. They're, they're being developed. Um, but it's very, very much in, in sync with, you know, with what you guys are doing as well, which is another very, very big reason why we want to join the podcast as well, because it's, I think I think what you're advocating for is exactly what what we are doing as well um, with you guys and with our decentralized moderation. And the biggest problem right now with the the social media is that the those that who those who have violated those terms of service to such an egregious nature are able to stay on the platform and continue. So in terms of deplatforming, there mm -hmm. is a le level that we do believe that mm -hmm. people should be deplatformed with that type of conduct if absolutely you are causing yeah. that kind of harm so i agree that if if this is moved to a sort of decentralized nature hopefully those issues don't happen but right now the powers that be allow mm -hmm. for the impersonation of many people that mm -hmm. create harm whether you're going or targeting minors targeting children targeting individuals who who just want to be left alone and and scroll through you know information or just interact in in a Maybe not a personalized one-on-one -on -one manner, but still interact. So people yeah, def definitely. I mean, extreme. community is, is a huge part now of yeah, of, and definitely it's going to be a huge part of Web three as well. Um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Anybody who who um, transcends our our, our, our guidelines, uh, they should you be know, they, they will they absolutely, be absolutely. Um, but but somebody who who perhaps uh, you know believes in conspiracy theories, uh, you know, we were we wouldn't deplatform it. <laughs> and, and yeah, there you go. Like Rob, we wouldn't deplatform Rob, but we leave it up to the community moderators to to lower his voice uh, and definitely, um, you know, make that content less discoverable if that's what the community uh, decides. Um, which I think, in most cases, um, that that would be the actions that are taken. So if you stop if you stop spreading your your Snoop Dogg rumors on on uh, on uh, you have Rob you 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 know you'll be relegated to <laughs> my social scale will be fine. <laughs> your so social think, scale will be down. Yeah. I think a really powerful way to end this uh, podcast is: Have you got some advice on what people can do to stand up and speak out and speak up about the problems that they're facing? Yeah, you know, find find comfort in in your family and friends. And something I've learned recently is family 
isn't always isn't always blood. Family could be your your best friend or maybe a mentor or somebody that you've worked with for 20 years that you you have a very close relationship with. Being able to confide and share because we're all human at the end of the day, right? Bottling up our pain, it's just it's going to come out at some point. It's going to come out in at a time and a place where you may not expect. It may put you in a position or a, a mental state that you're not necessarily prepared for at that time and not having the resources or somebody that you can just say, I'm not doing okay. That's okay. That's okay that you're not okay. And I think that's the biggest problem today is people are so afraid of, of admitting that they're not okay. And they need to know it's okay to not be okay. It is okay to say that you need help, you know, counseling, and, and therapy have negative connotations. Why? I have no earthly idea, but there's nothing wrong with talking to another person, you know, and I hope that media, you know, can, can begin to embrace that, you know, mental health today is extremely important. So my mm -hmm. advice is be honest with yourself, you know, don't hide it, you know, be, be safe, have somebody that you can confide in. And, and even if it's just one person, that you're doing yourself a justice, but pretending it doesn't exist isn't healthy for you. And you have to take care of yourself at the end of the day. I think, I think that's, a, that's a brilliant note, note to end on. Absolutely uh, fantastic. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on here on the podcast today, Andrew. It's been very eye-opening, very, 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 very Educational. Nice. Yeah. Educational, of course. Um, thank you for coming. Uh, we, we will we will drop all, all the relevant links in the in the description is there anything is there anything you'd like to to uh to, to say in you know uh you know just in, in in passing um with regards to anything you'd like anybody to visit with any of your organizations any of the links sure well first off thank you so much for for having me it was it was a pleasure and um yeah you know look uh my writing is 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 through beincrypto.com and that's b in crypto Dot com and I try and do my very best in covering that cross section of of law and and technology as it relates to web three cryptocurrency blockchain and DeFi and as as for the Guardian project you know we're still yeah. building right now we're uh, working with uh, certain people in in entertainment right now to determine what the right course is on whether we're putting out a, a docu series or a film or having that one stop shop but um, feel free to reach out on on social media. Uh, on Twitter at Rosso ESQ. And uh, I do my very Brilliant. best to answer as, as many messages as possible. Awesome. Right. Well, thank you everyone for listening uh, and make sure you like and subscribe. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you so and, uh, much. Goodbye for now. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> Thanks.